Welcome to the Mommy Matters podcast, where Mommy Matters is a double entendre that states and declares that mommies matter, where we have conversations surrounding Mommy Matters from conception to pregnancy to postpartum, mother and father wounds, dating, mindfulness and self-care, spirituality, parenting, discipline, legislation, money, and so much more. It is my hope and my prayer that the information that you gather here serves as a blueprint for generational and individual ascension. Enjoy. Welcome to the Mommy Matters podcast. This is your host, CEO and founder of Mommy Evolve, Cecile Edwards, and I am here today. I have not been with you all in a while, I know, um, but I am back and I have a two-part series to discuss and break down some things um, around uh, mothering, but mothering in the sense of thinking about the things that you may not have learned and how you're going to become more intentional about learning them. Right. So a lot of, you know, if you follow me, you know that I have conversations about this all the time, thinking about the way we were mothered, thinking about the ways in which we uh, gathered information through the families that we grew up in and how we have used that information to take care of ourselves, to be our most our best selves. I was going to say my our most authentic self, which is accurate. You know, I'm reading a book called Brene, by Brene Brown called The Gifts of Imperfection, and that talks about authenticity. And so that word is on the top of my mind. Um, and I've just been having conversations about authenticity with women in general and how they, they want to experience life. Um, and so that is on the top of my brain. But today we are going to be uh, I have this this talk today or this podcast today is inspired by an article that I wrote read. Um, from an, a website called realsimple.com. And it's written by Amy Macklin. Um, and the title is 10 Things Your Mother Never Taught You. And so I'm going to be just talking about this, um, this article, agreeing or disagreeing with it, um, with things that are, are said, and just, you know, giving you the Insights. I thought that the article was pretty good. Um, and, you know, of course, listen, all of us don't come from perfect picture, perfect situations where we have parenting situations or mothers that we idolize. All of us don't. None of us, I think, can get all of the lessons that we need to learn from our parents. Our lives is about unraveling, not just from our families, but also from our past lives, our um our soul's work, right? So we come through our mother. And yes, I believe that we choose our parents before we get into this planet for a particular reason um, to unravel ourselves. And trust me, I, I'm going through the personal process myself of unraveling me <laughs> based on the relationship, not just based on the relationship I've had with my mother, but that's a huge part of my unraveling and my understanding and a deeper understanding of myself. And I think that I'm at the point now where I'm being completely open and honest, not just with myself, but with others around me about how I feel about that process. 
and how I feel about everything in that process. And that is very, mm, that's cathartic. <laughs> okay. I think that that's, this is the, the point. This is the part where the, the heart opens fully and you really start to live authentically because it's kind of like, well, what can, what can hurt me? You know? All right. I'm rambling. So not really. <laughs> so this article, 10 things your mother never taught you, um, starts off with number one, which is, uh, how to make the best decision. So here they're talking about whether or not you have the ability, the mental ability. And what I found interesting about the majority, if not all of these 10 things, is that all of them have to do with your mindset and the way that you think about things, the way that you are able to live your life authentically, right? That's what I found very interesting about all of these things. And so number one, how to make the best decision. We all know that a lot of us grapple with, you know, making good decisions around how we should do things, what we should do um, here and there, if we should go out with this person, if we should stop seeing them, if we, if we should do this as a parent, if we should take this job, yada, yada, yada. Decisions are difficult to make. Change is probably one of the most difficult things. Um, it's a transition. It's, it can be a trauma change for people, right? So making decisions, in my opinion, though, is taking agency over your life. And so this really has to do with whether or not you see yourself as the creator, the person who has dominion over your own life, right? So someone who it, it's difficult for them to make decisions may not feel like they have dominion over their own lives because they feel like whatever decision they make, it's final it's going to, to hurt them if they make this, this decision and they um, and something goes wrong, for example, um, and that, you know, changing course is not going to be something that they can do or that will be good for them. Right. So they don't feel that level of agency and that level of. Um, that level of agency over their lives. Cause I can remember when I, you know, had difficulties making decisions about, Oh, should I punish my daughter that way? Or, Oh, should I punish her this way? And when it comes down to it, it doesn't matter. <laughs> what matters is that I'm resolute in what I'm doing at the moment. And if I need to change, I have the audacity and the ability to change my mind and to work through it and understand that things are a process. No decision that you make is going to just be the decision. There's going to be little caveats and holes and things like that that's going to need to be filled. Okay. And furthermore, what's the, I also think that this goes to the difficulty with this may go to the, um, us following or leading our lives through our desires in our heart. Right. And so Many of our mothers may not have been able to do that, or many of our mothers may have had to make decisions that were very cookie cutter. We are fortunate now as women to be able to have all these options, to be able to find women who are in groups and do things that are, are based on what we feel. So women who, for example, may not vaccinate or women who want to do certain things, you know, I don't know, circumcise or not circumcise their their uh their boys things like that so now we have more options and so we may have taken it for granted that we may not have learned that but now we have a much different options i mean let's just consider it that if you were subversive or you did something different back in the day 
you know, you were excommunicated, right? And now, and it was difficult to find people who thought the way that you thought, or you would have had to find a whole breakout group yourself to make things happen. And so it may have been more difficult for our mothers. This is not giving, you know, an excuse. It's just giving a perspective to think about why this, um, maybe if this is something that you struggle with and, and your struggle with it has to do with your upbringing, which many of our struggles do have to do with our upbringing. It's just, it's just the reality, um, things that we learned in childhood and things like that. Um, but just think about that. You know, there's, there's no, um, the, the, one of the quotes in this, uh, article says, if you do, if you do revisiting decisions after you made them is not a bad idea. If you do, you'll find, um, a lot to be dissatisfied with. There's no blueprint for infallibility. Success is getting it wrong as frequently as possible. So perfection, don't even bother <laughs> in short. Don't bother. Number two is how to fight right. Okay. And I think this is interesting um, for a lot of reasons. All of them are interesting, but this is, um, it's interesting for me as a married woman, as a married mother, right? And who, of course, has disagreements um, with, with her husband. And I have had to learn how to fight right, <laughs> right? Because I ha have observed, um, arguments that would drop down, drag out. Um, and I may not have observed the healing of whatever situation that was. Right. Or, and that's why I, I, I kind of, you know, when people say things like, Oh, I've never seen my parents argue. I'm kind of like, well, then that means that you thought that your relationship should be perfect and people aren't perfect. Or you think that whatever that your mom did or your dad did was them, you know, doing, uh, you know, just doing it blindly as opposed to it be having been a negotiation. I'm not saying that you should, your, your, your children should see you screaming at each other, um, face to face, but I'm just saying that if your child or if you can see people disagree and then come to a conclusion that to me, one is maturity in being able to relate to people. And then you're mimicking or showing how to relate to people, right? In that way, but on an individual level, um, how to fight right really has to do with how you engage in conflict, you know, right? So if you, if you feel like you want to be physically harmful to someone, or if you do things like roll your eyes or suck your teeth or dismiss people in a disagreement, and you are doing that, then that means that you're not effectively listening, perhaps, or you're being triggered, but you don't know how or why you're being triggered. <coughs> Excuse me. Ooh, that was a sneeze. <laughs> you know, I'm not cutting that out. So those kinds of things um, are things to consider, right? Because if you've been in situations where you have fought with um, people and, you know, you didn't come to a resolution or you're in relationships. It could be a marriage or it could be friendships. And there's constant, you know, battle in that way. Then you need to probably visit what you have viewed as a child with fighting, um, with arguments and disagreements and what 
how you are going to learn how to resolve that. And one thing that was said in the article um, that I liked was when they were talking about stress. Um, it says stress hormones inhibit higher cognitive functions like impulse control and attention. So we all know about that flustered feeling that we get when we're triggered or when we get upset, um, when we don't know how to react, that kind of thing. I know I just, I literally just wrote this in my journal about wanting to, my cognitive behavioral therapy journal about wanting to, that's something that I want to work on more deeply because I realize that there are certain things that like if something catches me off guard or if I feel like somebody's going to perceive me negatively, then I get that way. I get like stressed and sweaty palms and then I may either shut down or say something that's not nice. <laughs> right. And so I'm learning how to do that. And you have to be very aware. So when we feel threatened, we can we can't take in new information. OK. And so you have to learn what how to when you feel that way or when you start to feel that way or the things that make you feel that way so that you can function. And that may be with your own mama. It may be with people in your family. But just think about that. And perhaps when you were, you know, being parented that certain things were not up for negotiation or it, it just went from zero to 100 really quickly if you ever got into an argument or you were never able to argue. You had to stuff everything inside. So now everything is a blow up, right? So you don't know how to do it. So just think about that. How were you parented in that way? Number three, wait, are we on number three or number four? Help me out here. <laughs> we're on number three, how to take a compliment. This is very interesting to me as well because um, in this, they're talking about how, um, Taking a compliment was, the, the first of all, the social construct and understanding of humility, right? So, you know, we respond to a compliment in like, oh, you know, like I know type thing. <laughs> then we're going to be seen as not being humble and that's dangerous, okay? Um, and so we have to think about that as well. Okay, we have to think about that as well. Like, how do you react when people say, oh, you're beautiful or, oh, that's so nice. You say, oh, this old thing or, oh, you know, really, you think so? Instead of just saying simply, thank you. You don't even have to say anything else. Just say thank you. People are admiring you. Say thank you. <laughs> right? It's like a baby. If a baby could say thank you to everybody that said that they were cute, they would just say thank you and keep it moving. Or children, when children, you tell children that they're cute, they just say thank you and keep it moving, okay? There's no, you know, there's no anything attached to it. It's just, you know, but you have to think about why culturally women in particular can't take compliments. And you have to also think about when you give a compliment. If someone says, oh, thanks, just says thanks or doesn't say something that you would say, how do you take that? Okay. Think about that. Okay. And what I really like about this article is, is that it says, um, when we get a compliment, we fear there's a momentary lapse of humility, right? So if we, if we say, oh, thanks, 
you know, or I know or whatever, that we feel like we're lapsing in our humility and that's dangerous to us for some reason. But it then also says it's a form of protection. We all just want to be loved and valued, but we walk around holding our breath about the ways in which we aren't. When people say something nice to us, when they say they love us in one form or another, or even if it's about our hair or our boots, we may realize how much we crave appreciation. And I know that there are some women on this call, on this podcast, men as well, who are craving appreciation. Because you know I talk about self-care all the time. And I know for a fact, me being me and me, my own process, that there was a time when I craved appreciation. But I have to start to learn how to appreciate myself. And in my self-appreciation, okay, I just actually put a post on my page <laughs> on Facebook where um, a, a singer, a rapper, he just got his star on the Walk of Fame or whatever you call it, you know, the thing where they get the stars. <laughs> and he, um, you know, he gave his thank yous to his wife and all that. But he was like, you know what? I want to thank myself because I worked hard. I did this. I did that. You know, we have to appreciate ourselves. Oftentimes we want to push, push, push ourselves. But do we stop and appreciate ourselves? Okay. Um, so, you know, a compliment can make us feel vulnerable. And so we try to push away the compliment, okay? And then we really have to think about that. It's like, it's not okay for us to say we want to be appreciated, you know? Because I think oftentimes we don't feel like there's anything for us to be appreciated for because we feel like we haven't done enough. We haven't achieved that big goal. And so therefore the things that we've done in between don't matter, okay? And that's something that we need to to consider how to get a fair salary is number four. Um, I read this book and I have to get back to y'all. I have to put it in the, in the, um, in the chat section to remember the name of this book, but it's a it was a book about women getting what they deserve financially. Okay. Um, and oftentimes we just don't because we don't value our work. This goes back to the self-appreciation. Do you value the work that you do? You have to value the work that you do. You have to know that you bring a lot to the situation. And so therefore you have to get what you want. And finally, you also have to make a living wage. One of the things that I learned to do a long time ago was to learn how to determine how much I need to make based on what my bills were. I'm not going to take something that's below what my bills and what my needs are in terms of saving and spending and et cetera, et cetera. I'm not going to do that. And when I even do the math and figure it out, so you want to do what the average rent is in your city or mortgage. You want to do what the average um, uh, utilities are, car payment, um, insurance, child care. Once you add all of that up for your area where you want to live, that's how much you know that you need to make. And then on top of whatever you find, you need to add about 10000 because that's the buffer. That's something that I learned. So we really need to start being more strategic about that as women because we bring a lot to situations and everybody knows it. Okay? But people are currently in the thought process that they can charge us less because we don't ask for it or we don't command that. Or people are 
many companies think that women are liabilities because we have the ability to have children. Women are paid less on the dollar than men. So it's white men first, black men second, white, men, white women third, black women fourth. But we know that black women always come to the table with a lot. And so we need to consider that not just as um, consumers or employers, but also as employees. Charge what you're worth, add tax. I've learned to do that and it has completely improved my life. I have to be honest. The next one is the fifth one. And I think I'm going to stop here at the fifth one and then come back to y'all um, next time with the sixth through tenth. But the fifth is how to spot a narcissist. Now, we know that narcissism is the buzz word these days. <laughs> okay. I think I didn't heard narcissist so much um, in these past few months that I don't even know what to do with it. Okay. But let's talk about what a narcissist actually is because I think we've heard it a lot. But what is it? How to spot a narcissist. Okay. Narcissistic personality is a person who assumes that other people exist merely to admire him. And um, so these are people that think about themselves, what they need, what they desire, what they want, and don't think about others. Or consciously um, bring conversations or ideas back to themselves um, without um, the thought of um, what other people are doing. So, for example, I think the perfect example is right here in this article. It says, um, here are some indicators that you may have a narcissist on your hands. Is he social, charming, and well Kind of materialistic. Is he rude to waiters? Does he have grandiose plans? Does his eyes glaze over when you try to talk about yourself? And does he steer the conversation back to his favorite subject? Himself. <laughs> so you may say, I broke my leg. And then he will say, or she will say, oh, I broke my leg once when I was skiing the triple black diamond in veil or whatever. Okay. So, and does he or she blame others when things go wrong? Okay, so those are all considerations to consider when you're looking at a narcissist. And now let me just say that I think that the, the reason why our mothers couldn't teach us this lesson was because some of these traits or some of these things are things that people admired in men at some point. So... Being able to have achievements and talk about those achievements. Um, like, you know, you weren't a man if you couldn't do that. Or you weren't a person. Like, people were are very externally focused. Very externally focused. Okay? And so we have to think about that as well. The external... Um, so if your mother was accustomed to being around males like that, then you can only imagine that um, she wouldn't be able to teach you that because that was standard. That was gold standard. That was gold standard. That was how, you know, it was considered to be 
um, considered to be a man. So we have to unravel some of these social norms, these societal norms on what we think um, society um, or what society has, has given us as these norms that people, um, these norms that people have um, taken up as just personality traits and have looked at and, and used to get an edge up in society, right? And so we see this all the time. I mean, we're on social media, right? So, <laughs> so a lot of times we'll see people have um, these kinds of uh, personality traits where they try to one up on people and things like that. And yeah, I think that these traits can be, be narcissistic. Absolutely. Um, I think that people can have narcissistic traits and not be fully narcissistic. Um, I also think that people are just straight up narcissistic. A lot of them know it and they don't care. You know, um, you know, a lot of us deal with narcissist mothers who feel like, you know, her children should focus on her, <laughs> you know, and this may not even be someone who necessarily focused on their children very well. Okay. And so we have to look at that trait and understand that number one, a narcissist, unless it's narcissists are not very likely to get help because they don't think that there's anything wrong with them. <laughs> right. It's very difficult for them to get to see themselves. You know, or they'll pretend that they see themselves and then they'll go back to um, to just being that narcissist that focuses on themselves. And so we have to um, set boundaries with these people. Um, you may like to go and have fun with them or do certain things with them, but there's other things that you can't do with them. And, um, you know, as I said, there's some people who have nice narcissistic traits, again, Boundaries are everything, and I think that that's, that's mostly what this article speaks to, is the ability to set boundaries. How are you able to set boundaries with people? How are you um, standing up in yourself to be able to set the boundaries with, with folks? How are you teaching your children to set boundaries? Because I know I have to do that a lot because my daughter has a tendency... You know, she's young, so, you know, I have the tendency to think that everybody's your friend or, you know, everybody is to be liked. Um, well, not fully. You know, some, some people, you know, she completely repels, but for the most part. So think about that. Think about that. Um, you know, think about what you need um, and how the needs are going to be met. And if they're not going to be met by that particular person, then how you need to either set boundaries or release them. And know that it's okay. You know, know that it's okay. And sometimes it does have to be people in our family that we do this with. And that's okay too. Because ultimately your own happiness, your own inner joy is critical. And that does not have to be, it doesn't have to be combative to receive. All right. So with that said, I'm just going to do the first five. <laughs> and... I'm going to come back to y'all tomorrow with the other five. And I look forward to doing that. So this is Cecile of Mommy Evolve. And right now I have a mommy group, the Evolve, the Inner Mother group.
group coming. We are starting in December and I want to get as, as at least a group of 10 mothers. And so I have a few more spots open. And yes, this one is particularly for mothers. It is a six month long journey. Um, or should I say a six-month journey of evolving <laughs> where we will go through the various um, areas that I have learned as a mother that we need to open ourselves up in in order to become clear about what we want to create legacy-wise, not just materially, but mentally, spiritually, um, physically, all of those areas. So give me a um an email m-o-m-e-v-o-l-v-e at gmail.com or you can go to my website www.mommyevolve.com and you can um, leave a contact there if you're interested and i'll send you all of the details with your interest as well as the um the 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 the, the paypal um, for it and we have payment installments as well as you know one-time fee um, reduction if you want to pay the whole fee and it's also going to culminate in a self-care um, trip uh, where we will take go with one another to um, get completely and fully pampered <laughs> and learn techniques to do that on our own at home as well because yes there is a way to do that so if you're interested in the Evolve the Inner Mother experience please give me a, you should send me an email. You could even sign up for a free 20 minute um, discovery call, which you can also do on my website. Um, at the moment, I have the promo a promotion uh, with self-care plans. Um, and I look forward to speaking to you because it is really time for us women to really learn the techniques um, for ourselves, but also to see how those techniques filter into how we conduct um, our relationships with our children, with our spouses, but most importantly and first and foremost within ourselves. So with that said, I will come back with, to y'all in part two of 10 things your mother never taught you. And I look forward to doing that. It's been a pleasure. Take care. Bye-bye. Did you like that? I know it was as informative for you as it was for me. Look, this is a process for all of us. And to keep this process going, I would love to invite you to donate to our podcast. We want to continue to give you high level content, beautiful content that enlightens and inspires and broadens your vision to elevate you and evolve so please feel free to go to the podcast page at anchor.fm forward slash mommy matters we would love to hear your questions and comments as well so that we can discuss them in future podcasts and you can email that to momevolve at gmail.com you can also visit the website and send your comments there, www.mommyevolve.com. 
and I look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Peace and love.